Hello, Internet. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast. If you're enjoying this channel, the best thing you can do is like, subscribe, comment, and share. That's how the channel will grow, and that's how we can get on even bigger and better guests. Before we get started, I've just got a few short messages. First off, the first round of crowdfunding for my book has now come to an end. Thanks to everyone that contributed. But I still have about 12 or 13 spaces left for names in the acknowledgements. So if you want to pre-order the book and get your name in there as part of telling the wonderful story of the GameStop saga, you'll find links to pre-order the book in the description below. Next up, I have a few sponsors for the show today. Have you ever heard of Warhol, Monet, Banksy? Some critical people have influenced the direction of art to create new art movements such as pop art, street art, and others. During ancient times, wise people spread the tales of the past to anyone who would listen. The art of storytelling is lost in the education space of today. So, the Art Legends in History podcast have made it their mission to teach students about the masters of the art world, art movements, and art history by telling stories. The Art Legends in History podcast covers various artists and eras from history to give you a general baseline of knowledge and help you understand art better. They cover Picasso to the pyramids and everything in between in digestible 10 or 15 minute chunks. Go to arthistory.org or search Art Legends in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's arthistory.org and the Art Legends in History podcast. Educating yourself about the art world has never been so fun. Next up, I have a wonderful podcast to tell you about, but no, it's not this one. Rico and the Man is a New Jersey meets California no-holds-barred podcast about the entertainment industry, where former college buddies Rob Tregler and Peter Martino both slaughter and praise Hollywood and the film industry. The two bounce really well off of each other, sliding effortlessly between childish banter and in-depth commentary and analysis. For listeners who love Kenny G, one of the latest episodes, Spider-Man No Way to the Toilet, not only contains one of the funniest and most wide-ranging discussions of the highly anticipated new Spider-Man film, Why Does Doctor Strange Seem So Off in the Trailer? Will Tobey Maguire cameo in the film? and why the sheer number of other superhero films allows filmmakers to be more creative in the modern day. But it also includes music from saxophone legend Kenny G, not to be confused with the hedge fund manager that Twitter was calling for the arrest of. Hashtag Ken Griffin lied. Rico and the Man covers the latest entertainment news while keeping a firm foot in the Hollywood that was. With special guests, best of lists, trivia, and an attempt at comedy, Rico and the Man is the perfect distraction for your pesky priorities. You'll find links for everything in the description below. Anyway, here's the podcast. This should work now. Okay, we're live. Awesome. So, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am here with Robert Justice, or sorry, Robert Palmer from Tax Justice UK. So welcome to the show, ma'am. Hi, thanks for having me. Maybe I should change my surname. I quite like the ring of Robert Justice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Although, I mean, 
I would probably stick with Robert Palmer because like were your friend were your parents big Led Zeppelin fans? I mean actually you know actually not I think they were quite you know not really interested in music and had absolutely no idea at all um, <laughs> there's the there's also you know Robert Palmer rock star what was some of his addicted to love mm -hmm. simply irresistible so you know uh, but uh, yeah I don't think I think it just went totally over their head oh well so it was totally accident then <laughs> totally accident oh well anyway so today we're here mainly to talk about uh, Tax Justice UK and the Pandora Papers, which is like the, the big story of the week before we all forget and move on next week. Um, so like, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Tax Justice UK, just so people get an idea of who you are. Um, so we are a campaign group um, and we want to see a fairer and more effective tax system here in the UK, you know, making the case for the fact that uh, tax pays for lots of things that we like and that we need from, you know, public services uh, to various other things. We can also use a tax system to tackle the rampant inequality that we have in our society. Um, some of your listeners may have heard of our, our sort of opponents, uh, the, the Taxpayers Alliance, uh, whose main job is trying to get lower taxes and slashing the state. So we're all about how do you build political support for a fairer tax system that hopefully will help will help everyone. Mm. I mean, the taxpayer, the Taxpayers Alliance are... Uh... They're an interesting group of characters, aren't they? We don't know who funds them. We don't know who funds them. <laughs> we can make a bet that, you know, big business, wealthy individuals who want lower regulation, smaller state are, are behind them. Um, but for us, it's about making, you know, a political and reasoned case for fairer taxes. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of uh, experts and economists out there who look through the detail of what, what does a fairer tax system mean. We're really interested in how do you actually make that happen? Mm. Well, I guess like the, the biggest thing that I'm always curious about is like, why can't we just like close the tax loopholes? Because I, I mean, I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, like tax justice is like you want everyone to have the rules applied equally to them, like the tax or the yeah, the tax laws, you want that apply equally to everyone. So like, why can't we or haven't we like, just, why are tax havens even a thing? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, tax havens are, go hand in hand with, with the kind of liberalization of the economy. You know, they really start popping up in the 1970s, the 1980s um, as a way of getting around the controls that big countries like the US and the UK had in place on moving money. You know, a lot of people forget that in the, in the 70s, in the 60s, there were real limits on, on being able to move money in and out of major countries. And so tax havens were a part of a sort of shadow system uh, to move money around and keep it hidden from the authorities. So that's that's where the, that, you know that's where they come from. Um, it's about uh, escaping rules, escaping scrutiny, uh, escaping tax as well. <laughs> um, but your question was why haven't we shut them down? Yeah. Um, and there's kind of two parts to that. The first one is that actually has been quite a lot of progress in the last 10 years of bringing in more tax transparency, bringing in better rules, closing loopholes, putting more money into enforcement. So, you know, I think it's really important to recognize we have made some progress, uh, but we still have tax havens. Um, and that's partly because there are very rich, very powerful people and companies that use them, that benefit from them, um, that are able to hide their identity. And the Paradise Papers out this week- Pandora is, Papers. P 
Pandora Papers. I, I get there are so many different alliterative papers. The Pandora Papers out this week um, are a really good sneak peek behind the curtain at what's going on in these tax havens. Mm. Um, and we've had, you know, reports of really senior political figures, business figures using tax havens to hide their money and hide their identity. Uh, and money equals power. Um, and power is, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, political pressure not to close these places. Mm. So it's like, it really is that simple. It's just corruption basically or not even corruption but like people in positions of power saying well that would be a bad thing for us if we had to like have everything in the uk you know we'd like keeping some money offshore so just you know boris keir can you not touch the tax haven so there's i mean those conversations probably don't happen quite as explicit (laughs) although who knows you know i'm i'm not necessarily in the room um you know there's also a a challenge that you need to try and get coordinated global action to shut these places down Mm. Um, and again that's where we've seen some progress really since the financial crisis where countries have come together have brought in new measures have closed down some of the loopholes have made this stuff harder um and, and and so we've seen some progress i mean i think one of the other really important things to think about with tax havens is you know the actual real activity the strategizing the thinking it doesn't happen in these little tax havens it happens in places like london and new york Mm. and tax havens are all about pretense they're about pretending that activity or money exists in a mailbox in the british virgin islands Mm. um, or the decisions of a hedge fund are made in the cayman islands that's rubbish. That is not how it works in practice. What happens is people in very, very expensive uh, boardroom suites in London and New York and Frankfurt and Paris, they're the ones making the decisions. And the tax haven network allows this, this fiction, this, this made up idea that there's billions and billions and billions and billions of pounds of investment in these tiny little places uh, and it's all on paper. Mm. Uh, and the reality is actually that activity is happening in these big financial centers, mm. which is another reason why they don't get shut down. You know, they're very useful for people in countries that are more powerful. Mm. Um, yeah. And I guess, well, so now that bringing us nicely to the Pandora Papers, there's a, it's really, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like surprising to anyone. And I, I, I feel like it's just like, well, yeah, obviously, is the is the reaction to me, like, obviously, there's some scandals and stuff, but I feel like most people's reaction is, well, well, yeah, obviously, they're doing this. Um, the rich and powerful have the ability to hide their money offshore, so why wouldn't they? <laughs> like, um, like, for example, uh, I don't think anyone would be stunned that Tony Blair saved uh, 312,000 pounds, or, yeah, 312,000 pounds, yeah, on the... Uh, yeah, because he had his, his nice little uh, Blair company or Blair LLC or whatever you called it offshore. And you, you, the, it's such, um, I think the thing that like stuns me every time I go into this subject is just like how routine that offshoring of money is to, to like some big corporations. It's just like, and especially like the, the big four accounting firms that sort of enable this, they write the tax laws and then sell the ability to get around it to their customers. Um, but so yeah, the Pandora Papers. Like, do you want to explain like what it is and if you think it's different to the the Panama or Paradise Papers? 
Yeah, so the Pandora Papers is a massive leak of millions and millions of documents. Um, and the documents are from uh, organizations, uh, company service providers, offshore providers. These are uh, companies based in these offshore havens that set up companies, set up bank accounts, set up trust structures um, and help their rich clients move money around the world. I mean, really, they're glorified paper pushers, these companies where the leaks have, have, have come from. You know, they're not where the really smart accountants and lawyers are based. Mm. They're people who do the sort of grunt bureaucracy, paper pushing work of, of setting up companies and moving money around, which, you know, technically is not that difficult. Um, and so what's happened is a lot of data has been leaked from a number of different uh, corporate service providers to a group called the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, which is a, a group of journalists and newspapers based around the world um, who've then been sifting through this material for, for probably about the last year and coming together and, and creating stories. Um, and so there's, I mean, there's an interesting journalism story here that the, these massive leaks of, of, of data has really led to sort of global collaboration between journalists, which is which is a fairly new thing. So what we're start, you know, and then they all agree, okay, we're going to launch on this day, and we're going to put this story out, and then this story out, and then this story out, and build some momentum. Um, and so that's what we've been seeing. And you know, the last week we've had stories about you've already mentioned the Blairs. Um, the King of Jordan is found to have owned, I think, something like a hundred million dollars of property through offshore companies. Um, the Czech prime minister has a nice uh, chateau in the south of France, again, owned through offshore companies. Um, as usual in these things, there are quite a lot of figures from Russia, from, from the ex-Soviet countries, again, also moving money around. You know, a lot of this is about hiding assets as opposed to straightforward tax evasion or avoidance. Um, I mean, there are some sort of corruption and money laundering stories in there as well. But I think what you're saying about this being routine is really important. You know, if you operate a certain level of wealth and power, you know, using offshore complicated structures is absolutely par for the course. Mm. Um, and it was quite interesting, some of the reaction around the Blair story where they managed to save 300,000 pounds in stamp duty when they brought a property mm. um, is, Oh, this is just how it's done. This is just business. You know, there are there are sort of people who are accountant experts, mm. tax lawyers who are like, why is everyone making a fuss? This is just this is just normal business practice. Yeah. And that's you know, that's why I think people should get angry mm. is that there's one rule for the rich and powerful and a different rule for the rest of us. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's the the thing that always gets me about about this is like when you get to a certain level of wealth, like tax becomes optional. Do you, it's it's not a it's not an obligation anymore. It's like well, you know, you can get around it. So why wouldn't you? <laughs> and I think I mean I think what has what has changed is it is harder to do the really dirty tax evasion, absolutely hiding your assets from the tax authorities. Mm. That That's harder. And actually, one of the things that's different with these stories compared to previous leaks is there are fewer examples of really rich people actually hiding stuff from the tax authorities mm. and illegally not paying the tax that they owe. Um, you know, a lot of the stories that are coming out of this are much more about people hiding their identity through offshore companies and their ownership of property and hiding that um, as opposed to, you know, 
absolute criminality. And so I think that's that's something that we've seen change. You know, since the since the financial crisis in 2008, tax authorities have access to much more information than they used to. Mm. And so it's actually is harder to evade scrutiny from the tax authorities. I mean, if you're really rich, there are lots of legal ways in which you can lower your tax bill. Uh, and that's a, you know, that's a whole different problem. <laughs> yeah, something, something, NFTs. Um, <laughs> so what you're talking about there is is like a, that there's a, oh, it's less bl- blatantly illegal activity happening now. And it's sort of more people finding ways to just exploit loopholes and rules in a, a legal, but perhaps not moral fashion. Would yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I think it's both about reducing tax bill and secrecy. Mm. Um, so a lot of the big political stories in here are about rich, powerful politicians owning property and not declaring it and being angry that it's come out that they own this property. Mm. Uh, and that's a problem. I mean, another problem, you know, for example, with the Blairs, what they did was was you know was almost certainly legal. And it highlights a flaw in the tax system. It, it highlights a, a, a loophole that if you buy a commercial property and you buy it through a company that owns the property, you don't pay stamp duty. Whereas if you buy the property itself, you do. Mm. Um, and so I think what we need to do as campaigners, you know, I think it's really important to, to, to highlight we have had successes. You know, we have seen the ability of really rich people to evade tax in a totally illegal way that has become harder Mm. and that has partly become harder because of campaigners because of people power because of anger so like things can change and yet and this is you know this is a campaigner this is this is a balance you know i think he really is really important change is possible Mm. we have seen change but there's so much more that needs to happen we have a tax system that is set up in the uk and around the world, that means if you're really rich, you can find endless ways of reducing your tax bill. Mm, yeah, and I guess that's what frustrates people as well. Like they, they see that that they they have to just pay. They don't have the you know the high paid accountants and whatnot. Um, so, what do you think the biggest uh, the biggest story out of this thus far is? Like, what's the the one that's causing the most waves or is perhaps the one that you think is the the most like important or significant? So I think, you know, in the UK context, we've obviously got the story of of, of the Blairs. We've also got some stories of uh, a number of donors to the Conservative Party cropping up in these in these stories involved in various uh, business deals. There's there's one allegation that one of these Donors was involved in a business deal, which subsequently was was seen to be corrupt. You know, uh, and so that that's you know that's in some ways shocking, in some ways it's not. Um, I suspect some of the bigger impact is going to be in other countries. So, for example, we have an election coming up in in the Czech Republic, and mm. the prime minister who's running for power again was revealed to own this chateau in the south of France. Um, you also have the King of Jordan with his, I think it's a hundred million dollars uh, of property owned offshore. Um, Jordan is a pretty authoritarian country, and and so it'll be interesting to see how much this this filters through. I mean, I think the real challenge that the journalists have, and frankly we have as campaigners, is how do you get beyond people's sort of shrug of indifference? You know, people, as you, as you were saying, like see these and are like. 
well, this isn't new. I'm not surprised. Nothing ever changes. This is just the way the world is. Mm. Um, and I think, I think pushing beyond that and saying, maybe it's the world, the world is now, but we can change it. Mm. So what do you think causes that kind of shrug of indifference? And then how do you plan to, or what is your understanding of the best way to like get past that like apathy that people mm. have towards this? Because um, I was talking to, to uh, Steve Topple about, about this kind of apathy earlier. It's like uh, the people get this or they're just like, well, nothing ever changes. What we, can we do about it? We know they're, you know, we, the people will be like, should we like, yeah, well, you're all crooks. And then just move on with their life. Like, how do you, how do you get this to be a significant enough story that people do something about it, basically? And I can totally understand why people look at these stories and shrug and feel apathetic because, you know, frankly, getting change is really hard and rich, rich people are powerful and politics to some extent is skewed in their interests. Mm. So, I, you know, I, it's, it's a really reasonable response to what we've, we've seen. I suppose what we try and do is say, first of all, um, explain why this matters. You know, this matters because if you have rich people not paying their taxes, it means the rest of us have to pay more. It means there's less money for public services. Like This is why this matters. You know, in the UK, we have the government increasing taxes on ordinary workers. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, if you're really rich, you can pay lower levels of tax. So it's like, first of all, why this matters, why people should care. Secondly, it's saying we have changed things. You know, people's anger, public anger, from the from from really from the financial crisis has led to politicians bringing in measures that has changed things um uh, and also has changed behavior you know it's changed the behavior of of, of companies and really rich people there was a, a a survey that was done by hmrc the tax authority here of really rich people and their tax advisors to ask them, you know, anonymously about their views on, on the tax system. And one of the things that came up consistently was people saying, you know, there were things that we used to do that were perhaps a little bit of the edge that we wouldn't do now. Mm -hmm. um, and, oh, you know, the reputational risk of being caught tax dodging, you know, it's, it's kind of changed our perception about what we can do and what we can get away with. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, these are self-reported surveys, but I do think it represents <laughs> a shift in perception about what is possible. Um, so the second thing is, I would say, is change can happen. And then the third thing is we just need to keep up the pressure on, 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 on politicians, on Boris Johnson, on Rishi Sunak to say it is unacceptable the way the system is currently set up and you need to change it. Otherwise, we're going to punish you at, at, at the ballot box. Mm. Um, and it's something when you talk to MPs, it's something that they say their constituents get really angry about and that they hear about is, is tax dodging. Mm. Um, and they're aware that they need to be seen to be making progress. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the things that like you, you bring up like raising taxes on on like working people at the minute, that's the, yeah, the national insurance thing that's absurd. But anyway, uh, but I see so many people um, do talking about raising taxes for the rich or a wealth tax or, um, you know, they wear very fancy dresses that say tax the rich onto a, a ball of all the rich people. That's it. That's, that's how to show them. Um, <laughs> uh, but the... The thing that I always say to people, and perhaps I'm being like naive in this, you can correct if this is wrong, but I'm always like, look, if we just 
stop the tax like dodging if we if we close the loopholes and the tax havens we wouldn't need to like raise taxes that much we would just have more money in tax by enforcing the rules properly um so you would definitely bring in more money by enforcing the rules yeah uh but probably not enough to do all the things mm. that we need to do or that's being promised um, do you know do you know do you have like a sense of of how much of like how much taxes being dodged in the U- so uk hmrc has an estimate that's a bit of a lowball estimate uh, of what they call the tax gap and mm. so that is the difference between the tax that should be paid and the tax that is paid and they say it's about 35 billion pounds now to put that in context the overall amount of money we get from tax is about 800 billion so 35 billion out of 800 billion mm. so that is a good chunk of change 35 billion pounds yeah. um you know but you would never be able to get all of it you'd never be able to totally get rid of tax avoidance and tax evasion mm. it's just that's just that's just not possible so yeah maybe you could get 10 15 billion maybe a bit more from clamping down on tax dodging properly and that's you know that is a lot of money mm. uh but it's probably not as much money as we need to have a really well-functioning NHS that looks after us, um, a social care system that is not broken, uh, investment in local authorities so they can actually pick up our bins on a regular basis. You know, all of these things cost money. Mm. Um, and like, they're, they're good, you know, like we collect, we pull to get, I mean, this is the point of tax is like cut to, by ourselves, we can't afford to make this happen. Mm. Collectively, we can come together and create a world where there is more security for ourselves and our families and our communities um so yeah sadly i don't think the answer is as simple as just saying let's end tax dodging and that would fix all our problems but it would really help and i also think it would just help people feel ordinary people feel more comfortable about paying their own taxes um without this sense that the rich and powerful can get away with not following the rules mm. or have even better not not it's not just about not following the rules it's they've created their own set of rules mm. that only applies to the rich and powerful mm. you know if you're really rich and powerful you pay everything that you owe absolutely but you make sure the rules are designed in such a way that what you owe is very low mm. make a little donation to the taxpayers alliance and then they fight very hard for you <laughs> or oh, yeah, one of the many wonderful think tanks coming out of 55 Tufton Street. Um, but another thing that I see often brought up in, in this uh, discussion is this idea that HMRC is underfunded, which seems nuts. Um, I, I know that earlier this year, I believe, or might have been the end of last year, they cut a whole bunch of staff as well. I think they, they cut 2,000 staff. Like in the midst of the pandemic, when we're spending loads of money and we need the tax as much as possible, <laughs> like we need the money, <laughs> they managed to like cut the staff. But um, And I've seen like there's figures quoted, like everything from like every pound spent on HMRC is like, I think it brings back like 40 to 140. I've seen like both of those figures used and everything in between. It brings back that much. So why are we not like giving HMRC the funding? <laughs> or is this like a, a non-issue? No, it is definitely an issue. Um, it's perhaps not as sexy as closing loopholes or going after tax uh, tax havens, but properly investing in the people who go out there and collect the tax mm. 
is a very, very good idea. Um, you know, as you say, if you're a, a revenue officer, if you're an investigator, you bring in many, many, many times the amount you cost in terms of extra tax. Um, what, Obviously, there's a point of diminishing Yeah, returns. and there's a point of diminishing <laughs> returns, but we're so far from that. And, and actually, I think um, I saw a report the other day between 2016 and 2019, the number of tax investigations dropped by a third. So, you know, this is this is pretty this is pretty catastrophic and the reasoning i think is is ideological you know the government was committed particularly under george osborne to cutting civil service headcount mm. um and that had to happen across the board including at hmrc um and we're seeing that in less ability of the tax authorities to to bring in money and so it would be you know it's actually quite hard to close loopholes effectively to make sure rich people pay their fair share. Investing more money in HMRC in a targeted way would definitely bring returns that would bring in more money. I mean, it, for me, it's a no-brainer. Um, and it's interesting that it, it hasn't it hasn't happened. Mm, yeah, it doesn't get discussed very often. I guess probably, like you said, it's not, it's not that sexy an issue. <laughs> but... So you before we started, you you were talking about some some revelations about how the tax system in the U.S. is set up, and you were talking about South Dakota. So, what what have we learned about about how they yeah about how ta- tax works in America in in this sense? So the Americans are really strong on going after their own citizens around tax, like really strong and will bully other countries to give up data and information and 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 have created an amazing system where every other country in the world basically has to send america information on assets owned by american citizens Mm. america is not so good at sharing that information back with other countries (laughs) and so this means and this is this is kind of perhaps counterintuitive but actually there are a number of u.s states which are basically tax havens for foreigners. Um, and one of them that has come out in this week's revelations is, is South Dakota, which again, you know, you think of as sort of big skies and kind of cowboy country uh, and not a tax haven. Uh, but actually there's billions and billions of dollars of overseas money sloshing through South Dakota. And in the US, there are the regulations around setting up companies or trusts or looking after this sort of money is basically non-existent. Um, and so America is actually a very sensible place to stash your money if you're not an American and you want to hide it from the tax authorities oh, okay. of your yeah. own country. Oh, <laughs> uh, so if you are American, you know, the IRS, their tax authority is pretty pretty strict. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a foreigner and you want to hide your money in the US, it's really pretty easy. Um so how does that work? So like, could you could you like walk us through what, what what we've learned about like South Dakota? So like, what are what are people doing? Like, what is the the mechanism by which they're they're like hiding assets or avoiding tax here? So the classic way of hiding assets is you don't want to own the asset in your own name. What you want to do is you want to have the asset. And when we're talking about assets, we're talking about money, stocks, investment, property bank accounts. You want the asset to be owned by a company or a trust. And you want to make sure that your identity is hidden. So you have maybe a company owned by another company owned by a trust and you create a really complex web, which means it's almost impossible to really understand who's the true ultimate owner of those assets. 
Um, and this this is an area where there's been some success globally, you know, in the UK and elsewhere, we have much more information publicly available on the ultimate owners of companies and trusts. Hmm. A big push in the UK that the UK led, you know, I don't always agree with, with the conservative conservatives, shall we say, but actually when David Cameron was in power, one of the things that he did was to push forward more transparency over company ownership. You don't have that in the US at all. So the US is a decade or two behind when it comes to this. Uh, and so it means, yeah, if you're a foreigner, it's pretty easy, pretty straightforward to hide your identity and hide your assets and hide your money in, in the US. Um, and you'll find professionals that will tell you how to do this. Um, and that's, again, something that's really important. You know, these rich people, they're advised by professionals, by lawyers, by accountants, uh, by tax professionals who know exactly how the system works and can guide them through it and hold their hand, obviously, for a very hefty fee. Mm. I mean, in a lot of cases, um, it's literally the people who write the tax laws who are then selling those services. Like like I mentioned before, it's like the big four accounting firms. Huh? Like when I found that out, I was just like, hang on a second. You're telling me they both write the laws leave the loopholes in and then sell the loopholes to their clients. I was like, this is insane that this is allowed to go on. Yeah, and this is a real problem is that you have a very relatively small number of people that have the technical expertise to understand how our tax system works. Mm. Um, and let's just say the big four accountancy per firms pay a lot better than the UK government does. <laughs> um, and, you know, so if you're a civil servant that's been writing tax policy, you are a very valuable commodity and mm. you can go and earn double, triple, quadruple your civil service salary by going to work for one of these big accountancy firms and then telling your clients exactly how the laws work and where the gaps are. Mm. Um, so, you know, this is, this is part of our problem is that you have this revolving door between the civil servants and the tax authorities who, who sort of write and look after the tax law uh, and then the private sector. Uh, and, and that means that it's the, the, the system is biased in favor of those who mm. are rich and powerful. Mm. Well, I mean, I don't think that's news to anyone. <laughs> um, one of the things that I came across, actually, like you talked about David Cameron there, one of the things I came across while I was writing my, my first book, and um, it was the thing that basically pushed me to write it was um, that through sort of 2010 to 2015-ish, uh, there'd been a lot of pushes by the, the EU to push like tax harmonization and close off as many of these loopholes as possible um, and try and, yeah, just clamp down on tax evasion because there was like, there was a couple of different regulations they'd proposed and um, Cameron and Osborne were publicly like, yeah, we should totally like close these loopholes. And then privately they were writing desperate letters being like, don't you dare do that. <laughs> do you think that having left the EU, the UK is in, um, there's the potential for it to become like that Singapore on the Thames, like tax haven off the shore of Europe that, that it's kind of like, well, I mean, people like often touted that as, as yeah, possible future both. Yeah, there was people in support of that idea and opposed to it. Yeah, this is the sort of libertarian fantasy that the UK becomes sort of low tax, mm. small state, low regulation. Um, I think the overall, the big picture fantasy won't won't happen because 
most of the people who voted for Brexit, that's not what they want. You know, they actually want more money spent on social care. Mm. They want more money spent on policing. They actually quite like labor laws and labor regulations. Mm. So I don't think we're going to see the UK wholesale turning into a sort of Jacob Rees-Mogg fantasy. Fantasia with with you know workers having no rights and protections and uh, capital being very mobile and no regulation. Uh, so I don't think that's going to happen at that at that big level. But what I think we will see and are already seeing is like a chipping away of the rules and regulations that we inherited when we were in the European Union. Um, and so the government is at the moment carrying out a review of banking regulation and and looking at how it can make it more business friendly which is always the which is always the which is always the the euphemism so and 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 another example is currently uh, the banking sector pays an eight percent surcharge on corporation tax that's probably going to be dropped so i think what you'll see is like nibbling away at the protections a few tax cuts here a few tax cuts there but i don't think we're going to become you know a massively small state low tax country just because there's not the votes in it. That's not what people want. Um, and you can see that in Boris Johnson's levelling up agenda. You know, this is a prime minister that is promising the highest number of tax rises since the 1970s. And he's a conservative. Mm -hmm. And he's polling at 40%. And he's polling at a high level. So yeah. this is this this is a popular mix. Mm. Um, at, at the same time, there will be ways in which you know, loopholes will be introduced, carve-outs will be introduced, taxes will be cut. Mm. Um, it will be yeah. a sort of, I think, slow decline rather than this big bang mm. uh, libertarian fantasy. Okay. Um, so we're rapidly running out of time, but uh, la the last thing I basically want to ask is, is what do you think, um, if anything, the, the response and long-term consequences of the Pandora Papers being leaked are? Because, yeah, the Panama Papers, the Paradise Papers sort of came and went, Lost a lot of corruption scandals, a lot of yeah, a couple of fired prime ministers. Uh, Iceland, I think, was the 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 big one that they fired. They 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 like were well, not fired. They didn't all collectively stand up and be like, "You're fired," like Trump style. But <laughs> they um, they oisted him basically. Like, do you think that there's going to be any long term consequences for um, anyone who's been? implicated shall we say in this or just more broadly with the the laws and and like our attitude to them in the uk so i think first of all there might be some political scalps you know the czech prime minister with his nice chateau in the south of france he's up for election <laughs> maybe he won't get re-elected who know who knows hmm. um and then also the tax authorities comb through this data um, and there have been there has been quite a lot of evidence that they've used the data coming out of previous leaks to go after individuals. So on that individual level, we might see some action. I think the bigger question, and I think it's an open question, is will it continue to spur political change and tax reform? Mm. Um, and the last letter, the, you know, the last uh, the last leaks did do that. And um, there's actually some legislation that the government has promised to introduce but has stalled on that would lift the lid on uh, UK property owned by offshore companies. Mm. Um, the government has promised it, hasn't delivered. Maybe the Pandora Papers will be a prompt to make them introduce that legislation. So, I mean, I, I feel cautiously optimistic that we're moving in the right direction, even if there's so much more that needs to happen and there's so many more loopholes that need to be closed. But I think inch by inch, 
we are making the system better. Mm. Well, that's a nice positive note on which to end things. Um, so yeah, do you want, is there anything you want to you want to plug before we finish up here? Yeah, I mean, if you want, I, I do. If you want to hear more on tax, I do a, a weekly newsletter. You can sign up at our website, which is uh, taxjustice.uk. Um, and we're, you know, we have a, a, a you know, a number of uh, almost 30,000 supporters who help push this agenda and care deeply about tax quite reform. People, really, yeah. It's quite a lot of people, you know, people get really angry about this. And I suppose what I want to do and hopefully have done today is give a sense that there is some hope and that if we come together, we can put pressure on the government to change. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a very positive message uh, in the midst of a crazy world. So uh, yeah, Robert, thanks. It's It's been a pleasure. Great. Thank you very much. No problem. Bye, everyone.